Chris A. Ball, the fan. Well, she sneaks around the world from Vienna to Carolina. She's a sticky-fingered butcher from Berlin down to Belize. She'll take you for a ride on a slow bus to China. Tell me where in the world is Lou Nanny. Oh, we're about to find out. Louie is uh, brought to us by Kemp's and NFP insurance as always and i'm pretty sure in this case he's uh he's not in the hawaiian islands but the only way to find out is to uh uh to to link him up to us he's on the connecticut water systems hotline are you in the continental united states yep in new orleans oh new orleans louisiana you say yeah which uh you know i've been here a lot of times and i i love the food but other than that uh it's a, to me, it's a, a little disappointing because it's not a, a real clean city, you know? mm. and and but the food is just spectacular. There's so many good restaurants; it's, you can never get enough. Um, I want actually that the, uh, I'll save what I ranted about earlier because you happen to be in the same town as to where this particular uh, game took place, and as a former. Uh, professional sports executive. I want to get your view on it, but we'll save that and get to some some hockey first. And um, interesting piece from uh, Russo Radio, basically, you know, describing the meandering nature of the club at this point. Um, and what are we? Eight, eight, and two. And Russo wrote this. Um. They're still having trouble generating offense and finding lineup fits, which could be why general manager Bill Guerin is on the on the hunt for a top six forward. Two questions. A, can you go out and just grab a top six forward? And B, can you trade your way out of whatever this team is or isn't? Well, frankly, yes, you can go and get a top six forward, but there's going to be a price to it. And you have to be willing to pay that price, and it all depends who it is, what's the age, what's the salary they make, and uh, you know there's so many different factors, and I, I just can't see how they're going to be able to do it in the environment that they have right now because of their salary cap hell. Uh, can you trade yourself out of it? No, nope. you're going to have a tough time trading yourself out of it, but you can improve it. There's no question about that. I think that uh, when you look at uh, what the Wild had last year and where they are now, and you see what are they missing, how many parts. And a couple of things that I think is, you know, pretty telling. Obviously, it was going to be Fiala. You're going to miss him a great deal, which they have. I personally think that uh, Delory could have helped him on the left side because of his size and and uh, physicality. And uh, they missed some size in defense. They lost Kulikov and, and Ben. And Ben, by the way, they're, they're raving about the way he's playing in Toronto. So you can, you'll be able to see that Friday night when the Leafs are in there. But they lost some size on defense, yeah. there, which is a difference. And they lost another good goaltender. Talbot gave him gave him a good season last year and uh, brought a lot of wins. And, and so those are a lot of pieces that are different from the team this year. And and you you could maybe. Uh, you can make some trades to sure shore up some positions, and it's easier to make some, I'd say, uh, 
trades that can help your team without having to pay the price that you have to make if you want to get a top six forward, which I think would be really tough to do. Then you have to be yeah when you when you deal for something like a top six forward, you always have to remember one thing: am I plugging a hole and creating another hole? Yeah, that's, fair point. That's the thing you have to concern yourself with. That's that's key. And the other question is: is it? I mean. Teams that might listen to phone calls, do they are, are they already doing that this early in a season, or doesn't it take a little longer for teams to figure out, okay, we don't really know yet what mode we're in, even if we're a little uh, disappointed in our start, or a little frustrated in our start. Um, you know, we've gotten a good number of games in now, but we're still, it's, it's only, you know, it's, it's basically a Thanksgiving. No, you're 20% in already. Yeah, you, you, you know where you are. You know what you got. You, there have been some really great comebacks, especially like the Blues a few years back when they were essentially last and went on to win the Stanley Cup. But overall, for most of the teams, you know where you are, you know what you're missing, you know what you need, and uh, can you f- fix it, or will guys play better to improve it? And <laughs> one of the things you have to be very careful about if you are going to trade draft choices, which I think he's going to have to do if he's talking about a top six, this coming year is supposed to be a spectacular year with great depth in the defense in the, in the prospects for uh, the draft. So, if I would assume from what I hear, I haven't been out and seen any of them. I don't know, but uh, everything I've heard and read that this is going to be an excellent draft season. So I would assume if they do deal a draft pick, it's going to be a future draft pick. Lou Danny with us on the fan. Um, Sam Steele, can Sam Steele be your number one center? No, I don't think so. I wish I could say yes, but I, I don't think so. He he had a great career in juniors. He led the he led uh, the league in scoring there, and and he could skate and he can score. But uh, you know, this is I I want to say at least he's number four, maybe number five since he's been drafted. And uh, if you look at the productivity he's had in Anaheim, and even saying, oh, yeah, he played in Anaheim. Well, Anaheim had some quality forwards there. You got Terry and you got Segris, and you, they had Raquel while he was there. And they, uh, they've had, oh, in the top six, they've had some four or five very good players. So uh, the production wasn't there then. I don't, I don't see it happening. I, I, I do think that he's going to be much improved production-wise if they leave him on the line with, Kaprizov and Zuccarello because uh, they, they generate so much. He will get some more points. But can he be a number one center? In my estimation, from what I've seen for that many years, I don't think he'd be the number one center on the team. All right, let's drill down on a few of other players on, on the roster and talk a little bit more about how we get out of this sort of middle-of-the-road funk. Uh, Rossi has, I think the totals are zero goals, one assist, 11 shots in 16 games this season. He was scratched, I believe, Saturday. Might be scratched again tomorrow against Winnipeg. Uh, what's going on with him, and what has to change? Well, that that's the one thing that's really a scary thing to me because he was the uh, 10th pick overall, I believe he was, 10th or, late, or at least 12th, but he had led the – West, I mean, he's scoring in juniors and had a fabulous career. And you watch him play, and he sees the ice well. He's got some, he's got a good head in the shoulders. 
but for some mysterious reason, at this point, he's not producing. And I, I want to attribute to he, he doesn't look strong enough right now. Not smart enough. I, I think he is smart enough. And he, and he can pass the puck with the best of them. But I, th- I think the physicality of the game uh, and what it takes, he's going to have to get stronger, and he will get stronger now. Uh, will he be able to produce a lot more? I would, I would hope so. And his track record shows he should. But he's had 16 games there, and even though it hasn't always been in the top six, uh, other guys in the third and fourth line on other teams, and even this team, you know, do produce. So I hope that when he comes back and gives it a shot, I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him play. Like Dean's big thing is people got to play with a bite, which I which I love. That's what they have to do. And he he needs more bite in his game to get more involved to win pucks and that. That's what even Shaw's not big, Dewar's not big, but they play that way. That's what Rossi's got to do. Uh, he was picked, by the way, ninth overall in the 2020 right. draft. So that's it was a high you pick. Thought. Yeah, yeah, it's a high pick. Exactly right. You know, you brought this up two or three times today, and actually you have for the last couple of weeks. In fact, when we started the season, one of the concerns you had was physicality and size but it, for the playoffs more than necessarily the regular season. But when the Wild, we hear this a lot from the Wild, and we even have heard it from some players saying, look, this isn't last year. At least to this point, we don't have the firepower that we did before. Therefore, we have to play a different way, a tougher way, a more disciplined way. We've got to be prepared to win a greater share of two-to-one games. But is this team, from a size standpoint, is it big enough to play the so-called right way, tougher, more physical game the way the roster is currently constituted? Great question. The thing is, to this point, and to the Wilds' defense, they haven't had the ability to have their foremost physical guys on the team on the ice at the same time. That's true. Their injuries have really been debilitating to them. I mean, they've lost guys that make a difference in that kind of style of a game. They've had Greenways in for a fraction of a game, basically, for the whole season. Hartman, they're missing him tremendously because even if Hartman's not scoring, he's giving you that jam that you like. That that kid, he never quits. He he plays a, a, a game that's very competitive. They miss Felino for a long time. There's uh, one or two others out there. So the guys that play that style of game the best and are most effective at it haven't been there for a while, and they certainly can't sustain a good season without having those guys in the in, in on the team because now you're not only missing scoring you're missing your competitiveness you're the guys that make a difference in winning and losing puck battles along the boards and puck position time by getting control of that puck and and getting you opportunities by winning those battles so the wild have been you know snake bit in that area and it, it, it's hurt them so but does that observation mean that they should wait this out, that it, it shouldn't be, all right, we start desperately looking to, to, to change the roster right now, even if, even if it costs us someplace else. Um, is that uh, basically, are you delivering a message to say, okay, no, I don't love the, the position they're in. I don't like the start of the season, and now we're a quarter in. Like you said, that's a lot of games already. 
but you, you, you sort of need to let this thing percolate a bit, marinate a bit, as you get people back healthy. No, because I don't think even when they're healthy, because of all the goal scoring and points that they're going to miss this season and the size that they're missing, that they can't – it's going to be really tough unless they improve that area of the game. Even even with everybody back, I'd, I'd still like to see a couple changes up front right. or a couple additions and on, and on the backside, one or two. You know, I, I think – you just change the the complexity of the team a bit because uh, we're not only just around Thanksgiving and, and gone a quarter of the way through the season, but we're coming to the season right now where it's going to be more competitive and more games in a short period of time because of the all-star break and stuff like that when you start bundling up games. So you're coming to a stretch from game 20 uh, I'd say game 60, you you better be able to play the minutes and play with the physicality it requires and win the kinds of battles and have the kind of depth that you need because this essentially, and it goes really fast, trust me, once you get to Thanksgiving and somebody turned the light switch on and then all of a sudden yeah. they turn it off and before you know it, it's March. And that's what you're getting into right now and I don't think right now with what they're suffering with that they have enough to make it up if you just you know take a look at their team and and where they're standing i mean that that's that's really you don't think it's a lot of points to make up but right now you got to jump four or five teams just to get into the wild card position and even though it's two points two points jumping five teams you know somebody else is winning all the time and that's not even talking into getting into the top six. And unfortunately, in those teams you got to jump, you got four really good teams. You got <laughs> Calgary, St. Louis, Edmonton, and Nashville, all capable of being in the playoffs. And that just gets you to the wild card. You're not, so, you're not uh, painting a very optimistic pic- picture. No, really. I'm painting a picture that I'm Man. painting a picture that things have got to change. You you can't you can't expect to go far. You you played. 18 games and you're 500. You know you got to end up with. I think you got to end up with 96 points. So you got 20 right now. So you got to get 76 points, Oof. and you got uh, what 64 games to go. So that means you got to play over 500 by by 12 games. So you know you you, you got a battle. Yeah, that's for sure. You got no a question. battle. Uh, let's get a pause in. I want to. I got a couple more hockey questions, then I want to get to a sort of a philosophical uh, question that we were talking about earlier in the show when it comes to uh, sports teams' obligation, professional sports teams' obligation. Louis from New Orleans, Louisiana, as fate would have it, this week um, because that was uh, the site of the game that had me so worked up last night. We'll continue with him. Don't forget uh, Ben Gessling is going to join at the bottom of the hour. And Johnny Athletic, another Tuesday. Untouched! Luigi is back with us on the Connecticut Water Systems Hotline, brought to us by Kemp's and NFP Insurance. So let's go one step further on the possibility of, of, a, of a trade, because your point is time's a-wasting. 
and there's a lot of ground to to make up, and that most teams kind of know what they're like at this point or close to it. Uh, if 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 you uh, if you are forced to give up something to get something like a top six forward, obviously. It's got to be Dumba, right? I mean, who's the guy who, who, or who is there? Who do we have that has enough value that m- might get us something in return? Who would you trade? Are you talking about forward or defense? I trade. Well, uh, you're trying try to get a forward. A trade. I try and trade one or two of the defensemen. Yes, and, that's what and, I mean. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't have, but the, the, the unfortunate part is, uh, the contracts, some of them have no moves. You can't make the trade unless it's with them. And others have, yeah. uh, you know, substantial contracts. I, I, you know, there's not a lot in the team you say you wouldn't trade if it could improve the team. You know, you're going to keep Caprice off for sure. And then, and, uh, you know, Eric Sinek, uh, Brodeen, uh, you know, you, you don't get you probably won't trade Spurgeon right now. And, and outside of that, I mean, you, you really don't have a lot of guys that you, you wouldn't trade. Uh, you know, when I said, when I said uh, they're 12, they're actually 14 games. They got to play over 500. So you can mark it right down, put it in your book that they, the wild are going to have to play 39 and 25. The rest of the way are not making the playoffs. That's 39 wins and 25 losses, which is possible. Yeah, which it definitely is possible. Yeah, but that's right. That's what you. That's what. That's what you got to get to. Right. That's what at they a minimum. Do. That's what they got to do. Right. And they and of course they did that easily last year when they were going. You know, you get off to a great start a lot of times, and and uh, maybe things get tighter, but you already had that cushion, so it's great. So this is their this is their objective. This is what they're going to have to do. Yeah. And they're going to have to you know find a way to get there. And so my point is, if you're going to trade, you're going to you're going to trade from your defense, and Dumba's got to be the one of the possibilities, right? I mean, it's, he's been talked oh, about sure. forever. I know generally Bill Guerin is very has been very uh, defensive about that, and and it's really not about him, about picking on him so much as you know he's he's to me one of the logical places you go. I don't know, but I mean what. How much can you get for Dumba? I mean, are you talking about that's you're going to have to throw in a, say, a draft choice, right? Yeah, that's exactly the question because yeah. he's he's on the last year. I think he's on the last year of a contract. It's six million, and so uh, he's going to be a free agent after that. So you know, people are going to really have to love him to to want to trade for him, and yeah. then know that they can extend him. Otherwise, you're you're not going to give up a, a, a real good piece of uh, hockey team to give up something that might not be with you year after if you like him that much. So in my estimation right now, I think, and I, I only once ever traded a first-round pick, and I wish the heck I didn't do it even then, but it, it, uh, it was something I never would do. But we didn't have free agency. Now you have free agency. I don't have a problem trading first-round picks at the proper time. Mm-hmm. I think now's the proper time, providing it's not this year's draft. Yeah. So I would not be hesitant to trade a first-round pick two years down the line because you do have free agency. You have, and by that, two years down the you're line, out of the, the cap situation. Yeah, your Parisi suitor thing is resolved. And then you right. go back in the market. Yeah. With that? Your Parisi suitor contract hits are resolved by yeah. then, so you got a little more flexibility. You got the flexibility, yeah. and you and you have the ability also – 
to, uh, you know, while we're talking about this, they've made some nice drafts these last few years. Mm-hmm. And they, they are developing other players that are going to be filling in holes there that I think will be really good players for them. So you you have the affordability to not have to draft that year. You know what I mean? Yep. Remember, New York Rangers, I mean, they hung in there and made playoffs and that, but what were the five years in a row they traded a first-round pick? You're just years back every year because they were willing to spend the money to go in free agency and get sure. what they needed. Um, one other thing I want to get to before we wrap things up. You mentioned you were in New Orleans, and it's ironic because that's the venue of uh, uh, something that uh, I think a travesty that took place last night. The uh, Pelicans hosted the Golden State Warriors. And the Warriors, this was, I believe, uh, the end of a five-game road trip. The Warriors had played the night before. And Steve Kerr does what occasionally he has done, what Greg Popovich occasionally did, and a couple of other coaches, but not very many others seem to be quite as um, insistent on this approach. He sat Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Andrew Wiggins, and to no one's shock, the Pelicans won by 45 points. And I hate it, Louie. I can't stand it. The message that that sends, I understand that a coach's job is to, you know, think long-term and be on any one single game. But I just think there have to be or should be, morally speaking, minimum standards that coaches and general managers and even teams insist on. That we, we're not, we can't do that. That's it. There are people paying to see this game tonight and their money is being robbed of them. When we make the decision to, no matter whether we played the night before, whether it was quadruple overtime, whatever it is, you're sitting four players. I hate the message. I can't stand it. And I'm curious to get your view of it, even though now it's happening more and more. And I guess a lot of people just seem to have given up fighting it and and they kind of accept it. As a former GM, how does it make you feel? Well, for me, it's ridiculous. But it's ironic you brought that up because I'm at a investment conference here with Canadian investors, all people from Canada, right? Mm-hmm. You know what they're talking about at, at noon hour? No. They're talking about exactly what you said. They say, how can people do this? They, they you know, they got the Raptors, but they're not great right. basketball players, these people that I'm with. And that's all they could talk about is how ridiculous it was. And he said, I'm glad. And he said, I was thinking of going to the game and I didn't go because uh, a dinner came up and, and I didn't go. But if I'd have gone and paid that money now, I'd have been just going nuts. And, and what I want to, how I want to answer this is you tell me now what's the difference. I never want to hear anybody talking about tanking for a draft pick ever. Mm-hmm. Now here, these guys, they do this in the lineup. They cost themselves the game. New Orleans gets two points. What if at the end of the year, fortunately they have the lottery now, but if they didn't have a lottery, New Orleans wins uh, or, or right. gets second place because he had two two points more than somebody else. So, you know, everybody's got their own way of running the team and thinking what they do. But I, I think the worst thing you could do is shortchange the public yeah. on allowing them to see the team they're expecting to see. It was so much so, in fact, when I was general manager, I was the guy that brought the the uh, proposal forward to make certain that every team in the exhibition game in the exhibition, exhibition season, game, yeah, plays 
at least 10 guys who had 50 games in the league before. Hmm. I said, I can't in good conscience be charging people coming to the Met Center uh, regular prices to watch a bunch of our farmhands. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. And, and, and I think regular season is even worse. How, I mean, if I'm a season ticket holder and I'm paying, and they pay, as you know, basketball tickets are Big very time. expensive. Yeah. Right. You're paying that kind of money. And, and it's not like you have Steph Curry come to your building every night or every fourth night. Exactly. You know, you're in New Orleans. How many times are you going to see him in a year? Two, three? I, it's it's just it, it's terrible, and somehow, some way, I think the league's got to get a grasp on it. Yeah, I'm with you. It really hurts it. their image. It, it's such a bad message to convey, and I, I'm much a, a big believer in, my, you know, okay, then regulate minutes. I can live with that. I can live yeah, with regulating yeah. minutes. And I know the comeback to that is, yeah, it's not the same as pre- you got to prep the body if you know you're not going to play. I don't care. I can because in fact somebody I, I don't know who I was talking to the other day or I, I heard was talking about the Greek freak, and what's interesting is his minutes through much of his career have been lower than like a lot of Ironman players until they get to the postseason and and so it's almost like a plan. All right, regular season, we're going to keep the minutes at a certain level because we don't want to burn them out so that we can play him basically you know as much as we need to in the postseason. I get that. To me, that makes some sense. That's understandable. That's how you do it. You regulate to me on minutes, not by sitting four guys. And then Steve Kerr has got the audacity to about, well, you know, young guys, this is just a chance for us to take a look at our young guys. What an insult to anybody who bought a ticket that night or any other night. And and what an insult to your own organization, I think. It's 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 uh, got me more worked up than it probably should because I don't think it's – there aren't any signs that any, that it's going to change. So. Well, it's funny that this is happening right around the time that Phil Kessel, who's got a body of a doughboy, he just played over a thousand, thousand games in a row, set the record for the National League. <laughs> thousand? He's like a thousand and five now. Oh, my goodness. And, 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 and when he goes, he plays. He, he's, yeah, produced, yeah. he's only been able to play a thousand games with that body because he's productive. So he plays. So what a contrast to say that Steph Curry, who's built like a gazelle and can run all day long, can't play tonight, and you got Phil Kessel That's playing true. over a thousand games. Excellent point. Uh, great stuff as always, sir. Happy Thanksgiving to you and to yours, and we will uh, we will chat next week. Yep. See you next week. Thanks. Have Thanks, a great Luigi. Thanksgiving, you and your family. That sounds good. Thanks, Louis. Safe travels for Luigi joining us via the Connecticut Water Systems Hotline. Ben Gessling is a Friday regular, but because we're off on Friday, in fact, Minnesota Wild are playing a matinee affair, speaking of the Wild, on the day after Thanksgiving. We're going to chat with Ben next because I want to talk injury update with him. We got into that a little bit earlier, but I actually want to talk to him about another player that we didn't mention in our earlier injury report and whether it should be, there should be maybe a little bit of alarm bells going off regarding this particular player and his availability. We'll get to that and more with Gessling next here in The Fan. Time now for the Vikings Report on The Fan, presented by Blue Moon Brewing Company. Made brighter, one of a kind, every time. Patrick Peterson talks with Barrero next, after this, from Blue Moon. On The Fan.
John Athletic will join us after a very special edition of the Top 5 at 5. Ben Gessling is a Friday regular, but he's joining us today because uh, Friday we are preempted by Minnesota Wild Hockey matinee affair in the afternoon. Ben, like Kevin Seifert, brought to you by, for the rest of this season, Two Men and a Truck. And we appreciate the uh, support from Two Men and a Truck. The um, I'll tell you what, man. Um, I know you're delighted to be part of the bit, right, Ben? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm very excited to be part of the bit. It's uh it's fun to to have people on board. Yeah, and, uh, looking for sure. forward to looking forward to the rest of the year. Let me ask you, I want to do an injury update with you. We we I discussed a number of the uh, injury issues earlier and uh so we'll cover all of them, but I want to get to a name I had not mentioned earlier that's sort of uh, flying under the radar and that is Darius Smith. Now he played obviously against Dallas didn't notice him as much because it didn't really didn't seem like we, we noticed much of anything that the Vikings defense or offense was doing but I believe he was somewhat limited in how much he was out there he's still limited in terms of practice so is there legitimate concern about all right is he playing right now at 60 percent 75 percent how this might play out whether this could end up being a kind of a chronic issue given just how incredibly influential he has been through his half season here. Yeah, I think it's worth keeping in mind. I mean, I was, when I went back through it yesterday, kind of looking through snap counts, it was noticeably lower than it had been really through this entire thing. And he's been managing this for a while in, in kind of various iterations, but he only played, I think 25 snaps on Sunday. And some of that might've been, okay, we're getting starters yeah. out because it was a blowout, but they kept most of the other regulars in for, most of the game, I mean, you look at it, Harrison Smith, I think, was 64 snaps. Patrick Peterson was 60. Daniil Hunter was 50. So it wasn't like this big drop-off with the rest of the starters that can be solely explained by it was a blowout. They're trying to get everybody out. I, I think they were trying to manage the number of snaps. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be one of those things you have to keep an eye on the rest of the year. I, I have a feeling they'll try to get through it and, and manage it with, fewer practice snaps and, and try to deal with it that way. But it was noticeable how much less he played. And if he's not out there, they do have to figure out some different things. I, I, I would expect that most of the time you're going to see him in there in obvious passing situations, but maybe not quite as much when you're in a base package. I, I think you could see kind of some different approaches there. So yes, it, I think it's certainly worth keeping an eye on because the way they used him and the fact that it's continued to be this big of a thing. I mean, it's a bruise as, as Kevin O'Connell has said, but it has been apparently bad enough to keep yeah. limiting his work. And I, I think that certainly when it's gone on this long and the team is reacting the way they are, it's hard to just say it's no big deal. Yeah. I think it's certainly worth keeping in mind. Got to keep an eye on, I think for sure. So if you're forced to name someone based on what we know, who is going to be the cor- the starting cornerback opposite uh, Patrick Peterson? Well, I think we'll have a better idea of it tomorrow uh, when when we figure out if a Caleb Evans gets through the concussion protocol. I mean, he was limited in practice again today, so he continues to kind of be moving towards, I think, playing. And I think if he is cleared, he will be the starter. Uh, if he is not clear i think it's probably duke shelley because the fact andrew booth didn't do anything again today i don't think they're going to force him back in there and he frankly had enough trouble on sunday yeah. that i'm not sure that they want to 
you know, kind of hit the gas on that whole thing if, if they don't have to. So I would think it's Evans if he's cleared. Otherwise, it's Duke Shelley. And, and we saw Shelley play well. He had, had a big play in that in that Bills mm-hmm. game. You know, it's a different story when it's an entire day's worth of work. So, I mean, that is another one of those things that you're going to see the Patriots try to pick on if it's, uh, well, probably with Evans, too. It's not quite as talented of an offense as what we saw last week, but I'm sure they're aware of it, and that's uh, that's the other one that I think is very much worth keeping an eye on this week. Um, we know Darisaw is out Thursday. Do we know what is realistic to expect on him? Are you getting any intel on whether we're talking about perhaps several weeks when you're referring to back-to-back concussions? What do we know? I I don't know exactly where it's going to go yet, but I don't think they are going to be cavalier with it. I, the way Kevin O'Connell has talked, the way he kind of said Sunday, we are not going to try to play him on Thursday with two in a row. I, I think there is a legitimate concern about back-to-back concussions. You can't take that lightly. And, I, you know, O'Connell has been, I think, fairly consistent in saying we are going to take the concussion protocol seriously. And there's supposed to be enough safeguards involved that it shouldn't be up to the team anyway. I mean, there should be enough in the protocol that the team can't say, hey, we really need this guy, so we're going to try to fudge this and everything will be fine. But, you know, let's be realistic. I think there are ways that certain teams, certain coaches probably could put their thumb on the scale if they want to. O'Connell has been fairly public in saying we aren't going to do that. So, And the fact that he has said that I think allows people to hold them accountable for that. Say, hey, you you said that you're going to take this seriously. If something changes, it's fair to ask the question, hey, what happened? So I think the fact that he's been out now two weeks in a row with these things, it, it is certainly one of those things that makes you hit pause and say, we got to make sure this isn't a, a major thing down the road. Number one, for the player's health, and number two, for the fact that the guy has been awfully important for what they do. And I think, you know, the, the fact that they have a mini buy after this may help things yeah. settle down, but I, you just, these are hard to predict. We have him back for the Jets game. I, you know, it's hard to say, I think at this point how it goes, but yeah, the fact that it's back to back like that, I, I think has led everybody to say, let's, uh, let's be very careful here. And, and that's hard because these teams are playing the Patriots and the Jets both have really good pass rushes, much like the Cowboys did. And you certainly would love to have him based on what you saw from the rest of the group on Sunday and, and what they're going to have to deal with again Thursday and then a week later. But, you know, it, it's hard to put those things in front of the larger questions that face him when he's got two in a row like that. Who starts at left tackle and how do we try to make life a bit uh, more palatable given, as you said, you're playing another team that, is pretty good at uh, rushing the passer. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's probably simply for continuity's sake, probably Blake Brandle again on Thursday. We They've done walkthroughs this week, so we haven't had any open practice. We really haven't seen a minute of it to, to get any idea of it, not that that would necessarily tell you what's going to happen anyway. But I asked O'Connell about that after the game on Sunday, and he said, hey, in a short week, it's going to be really hard to reconfigure a lot of things. I, I don't think you're going to go see Brian O'Neill suddenly go to left tackle and then try to rearrange everything yeah. on the right side. I, I would expect it's Brandle again. I think the thing you may see them try to do is put some more help over there, whether it's a tight end, maybe Dalvin Cook is over there chipping more often on that side. You slide protection that way to try to help him out. You know, th- There's kind of this, this thing that they have to constantly figure out of how much 
help do we devote to the tackles? How much do we devote to the pressure we may get up the middle? How many receivers potentially do we keep in and make it so that we only have two or three eligible receivers? You know, there's all of these things that go into the recipe that, that O'Connell and his staff have to figure out. They get a lot harder when you don't have your left tackle. I, I don't think anybody, any team in the league is going to have a very easy time when you don't have that guy because Darisaw has given them the luxury in a lot of ways of saying, we can put you one-on-one and not have to worry about it. I mean, it, you know, they kind of talk about this idea of the hard downs, which are, you know, what they mean by that basically is the, the player that we can say, you're on your own. There's no help coming your way. This is going to be a hard snap for you, but we trust that you can handle it. Darisaw is one of the guys that they've been able to do that with. And I think not having him in that spot means you have to figure out a lot of different things. And, and that's part of the, the, discussion they're having i'm sure between now and thursday and the fact that it's bill belichick on the other sideline doesn't make any of that any easier brandle was a sixth round choice right from 2020 and he's been on kind of on and off the team several times right been on the roster yeah. then off the roster etc considered i assume all along as a basically a a depth guy correct to this point yeah yeah i mean certainly that's what he was when they brought him in they kind of did the thing where he was the extra guy when they'd have kind of a heavy package last year, if they had an extra lineman that, you know, you have a goal line or something like that, they brought him in. He's a, he's a bigger guy, six seven. certainly has a size to play that spot. I think they've liked him more than you maybe thought would have been the case given his trajectory in Minnesota. I think they've kind of made him the swing tackle and, and feel like he can come in and do that. It is a different story, though, when you're trying to start there every single week. And teams are going to try to test you in that regard. I, I think that's certainly going to be one of the things we have to keep an eye on is how how teams come after him and what the Vikings try to do to help. Because, you know, you have Ed Ingram on the other side that struggled at, yeah. at a lot of times this year. So that you, it's not like you only have one lineman that may need some extra help and, and you have to figure out kind of where you allocate it and, and uh, where you can kind of rob Peter to pay Paul, so to speak. We assume that, um, well, I think there's some reason to believe that defensively at the line of scrimmage, New England can be, uh, at least think of itself as being potentially as disruptive as the Cowboys were. At least they have had, they've been good pressuring the QB. There's not much evidence to suggest that the Patriots offense can do most of the things that the Dallas, very diversified Dallas offense did. Uh, can uh, New England run the ball? Because obviously that's where it all started with Dallas. They did establish the run, and they stuck with it, which I think a lot of people were shocked because they've tended to not always do that. Um, New England's passing game has not been all that bountiful, I don't believe, but can they run? Yeah, they certainly can. I mean, Ramondre Stevenson, their running backs, had a nice year. I mean, they, they have been able to do that part of things, I think, fairly consistently, and they, they will commit to that part of it, probably more so than a lot of teams will in this day and age, that's been kind of the bread and butter of their offense is, is running the ball. It certainly has not been a year where they've been able to push the ball downfield. Mac Jones has, I think, thrown, I think it's seven interceptions to four touchdowns. So the numbers are, are certainly not such that you feel terribly confident in him. And their receiving group is, it's kind of one of these Patriots types of receiving groups that you've seen over the years where it's, kind of guys they brought in from other teams that they brought in on the cheap. Devontae Parker was, a, I think, a first-round pick uh, back in 2015, I want to say, with the Dolphins. And 
Jacoby Myers and Nelson Aguilar, kind of these retread types from other places. The difference, of course, is that the guy throwing them the ball is no longer Tom Brady. And uh, that makes an awfully big difference, the Star Tribune has learned, when you are working with these types of receivers. So it's not an offense that is going to push you downfield a whole lot. They will try to run the ball. Stevenson catches the ball in the backfield as well. But they're going to try to win games 16-13, to 13, and, and they've been able to do that at different times this season. I think they it could be one of those that's you know kind of an ugly one maybe as you're sleeping off your or trying not to sleep off your turkey it's not going to help with a ton of fireworks but you know they they don't mind playing those types of games it's they figure if if we have to win that way that's fine that's what we'll do ben gessling our guest covers the vikings for the start to be last question for you now that we've had a couple days to sort of sit on it and 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 think about it what if, if you had to narrow it to one thing what shocked you or surprised you the most about the mismatch that the vikings cowboys game ended up being yeah, I mean, it, it's it's it was such a, a a big turnaround from the week before. I think I was probably surprised by the degree to which, and I know Patrick Peterson talked about it with you guys on Monday, the degree to which they seemed flat, that they just seemed not as energetic, not as sharp as they were the week before. And, and you know, you hear players kind of say, well, we don't want to use that as an excuse. But it was interesting what he talked about with Harrison Smith basically said, hey, uh, every time we've been through these types of games, it is very easy to come out and, and just not have as much energy the next week. Because the game that I kind of talked about that Buffalo game feeling like was the Minneapolis miracle, just in the sense that it didn't matter as much. But you win in a improbable fashion. You're kind of riding the emotions of that. You see the replays on highlights, and you get it texted to you a million times. It's hard to just kind of turn the page and and go back and do it again the next week when you have another hard opponent. So. I think I was a little surprised to the degree that that seemed to carry over because they just did not seem as energetic. They did not seem as as sharp as they have in a lot of the, the season. And, and that really was an awfully big surprise. I, I think you saw it really in, on both sides of the line of scrimmage, how much that line got beat up, and then just how much the Cowboys were able to dictate things to them running the ball. And, and unfortunately, this is a team that does a lot of those same things since a short week. It's not the same offensive skill set as far as what the Patriots bring to it, but you have another tough challenge to go through it this week, and it's one of those times where if you want to show people that this was a blip, that this is not something that everybody should say, see, this is who we thought they were, uh, this is a great opportunity to go try to show that you get right back on track and you keep rolling because it's uh, another loss would certainly – lead a lot of people to say, well, the concerns we had all along yeah. are, are right there, and we have to deal with those. Is your pick in? I have not filed it yet. I, I'm happy to give a, a sneak preview, maybe workshop it a little bit. I, I think they're going to win. I haven't filed it. I This makes me nervous because this defense, I think it's going to do a lot of the same things. I think it's ugly. I just I don't think Mac Jones is going to be able to do enough to get the Patriots over the top. So I think I'm going to pick them like 16 to 13 or yeah. something like I, that. I think that's a reasonable way uh, to look at it. Um, the I get, the X factor would be if they're able to torture Cousins so much that they get a couple of picks or fumbles or that sort of thing. That could, yeah. could tilt it, but it's still hard to trust the uh, the New England. Unless unless New England says we'll, we'll run it 62 times until you stop us and they don't stop them, you know, and they run for 200 yards, I guess that would be the other X factor. 
They may do the flip side of the famous, uh, I think it was 2006, where yeah. they basically just said, we're not going to try to run the Williams <laughs> that's right. ball at yes, all. That's we're it. throw it the entire game, go empty. And, and uh, again, that probably works a little bit better with Brady. But uh, <laughs> Everything yeah, does. I, it could go either way. I, I hope it turns out better than my pick did last week, because that was one where I just I sent it to my dad at halftime and said, I'm just going to dunk on myself here. <laughs> this, I missed this so bad that I'm just going to get ahead of it and say, you know, before you text it to me, he just wrote back, "Hey, I, I didn't say anything. It was that's he smart. One admitting it, so he didn't even have to uh, to take the cheap shot. I just took it on myself. Best way to deflect, and it, it leaves it leaves the agitator with no place to go. Learned that a long time ago. A happy Thanksgiving, I've got my a boy. Lot of experience dealing with trolls over the years. <laughs> thanks to him. So that's that's very before very the good troll point. Was defined. He was uh, helping me get the experience I needed to handle it. Well, have a great holiday, such as it will will be. You'll be working on it, but uh, enjoy the uh, the turkey festivities, and we will uh, chat next week. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Have a happy Thanksgiving as well. We'll talk to you next week. Ben Gessling is brought to us by Two Men and a Truck. They also sponsor our weekly segments. Now locked in for the rest of this season and presumably postseason, with uh, Kevin Seifert. We've got Johnny Athletic on the other side of the top five at five, which I'm sure will include, well, probably an injury report on the Purple, a little bit on your Minnesota Timberwolves, who are the hottest team in ball right now, and maybe a little bit on the Golden Gopher men's basketball team with a victory, I believe, uh, in a, a tournament setting. All of that with Guard Z.